Hey y'all, and welcome to Southern Fried Spooky, the podcast home of all things Southern, spooky, and occasionally alternative. Occasionally? Uh, this time at least. Yeah. I'm Carolina Girl Heather. And I'm Florida Man Tony. We'd like to invite you to our Facebook page, mm-hmm. our Instagram, or even to send us an email. You know I completely forgot we have an Instagram. Wow. Okay. You never do that. I do. Yeah. And our Patreon, and our Facebook, and our email, and... Uh, and where can these things be found under... Usually just look up Southern Fried Spooky, right? Yeah, you just look up Southern Fried Spooky. But. So please feel free to leave us some likes on mm-hmm. the Facebook page, or send us a message. Mm-hmm. And some stars when you listen to us on your podcast platform. And we do have a Patreon, which is slowly but surely becoming a real thing. Yay! And, you know, we're going to start doing merch and, you know, guests and all that crazy stuff. So it's going to be a fun time. I feel like we're becoming a real boy or something. (laughs) Sometimes we do like to delve into the alternative, the unconventional, the slightly different and talk about it. It doesn't have to be spooky per se, but... It is sometimes looked at strangely by people who might identify as normal. Well, okay, so the way I see it is we have, our, our name is Southern Fried Spooky. So far we have we have covered the Southern. Definitely. We have covered the Spooky. I eventually need to talk about cooking. Absolutely, because you're the one who does it. <laughs> Except for I do make some pretty good peach cobbler. Yes, you do. So alternative is not necessarily spooky, but as I said, sometimes it can be, and it just runs parallel to the Spooky. yeah. It can. Indeed. And we have a number of friends, mm-hmm. ourselves, ourselves included, included, who wonder just kind of how we got to be the way we are while living in the South. Yeah, because sometimes the South is uh, an unforgiving well, let's talk about the stereotypes. of... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, the South is famous for being conservative. Yeah. Usually kind of Christian. Yeah. Collection of... Good old boys and down home folks who love barbecue, which I do, and football, which I don't. And, um, <laughs> you know, I there's really only one sport that I ever got into, and that was hockey and boxing. But uh, so you're very Canadian in that sense. Yeah. I don't know the boxing, but periodically we do come across people like us who have, like us, become something different and else. Yeah, like, so something not of the norm. Indeed. Yeah. We sort of jokingly refer to everyone else as muggles, but we all know what we mean. So today, we'll be speaking with someone that we have recorded with before, and you have heard on our Halloween Campfire Conversation show, we're bringing back Bubba Graves. Mm -hmm. Mr. Graves is about as Southern as they come. Just listen to that glorious accent. Hmm. I do enjoy a good accent. He hails from the mountains of Boone and works on the family farm. He's also a sensitive who can see and speak with spirits, hence some of those ghost stories that he told. He also grew up druid. So how does that happen? And what is it like? Well, I know what it was like for me to be pagan in the South, but... And I imagine you do as well, um, in your own way. Could you could you classify me as pagan? Um, that's generally anything that's not well, pagan means Christian. I was about to say <laughs> pagan means non-Christian, so it confuses it, yes. it confuses me when people are like, "I'm a Christian pagan." That's it's it's very confusing to me. No, I think most people think of pagan as like Celtic, Viking, yeah. you know, more of the old European. Well, you're I, old Greek, yeah, old Greek, yeah. <laughs> So, but we're going to hear another perspective. So we're going to have a little chat with Mr. Bubba Graves. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bubba. It's very, very nice to be here. So give us just a little bit of your background. Like I surmise that you grew up in Boone, but I don't really know much beyond that. So 
give us your life story in five sentences. Not Very really. Well. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Tell us about your young life. What's Baby Bubba like? Well, uh, basically, you know, I'm from Bone, born and raised. Um, small mountain town at the time, really before the the college up here really started taking off. So it was still a very, very small place. Colleges, the new gold rush. <laughs> pr- pr- now, pretty much. Now I have like the small, what was it? Small, quiet town from South Park playing in my head. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's actually kind of funny because this place is kind of that kind of feel, that small town sort of sort of feel where everybody kind of knows everybody and and all that but like i say i grew up here my parents are not originally from boone uh my mom's originally from Asheville, and uh my dad he's originally from a little town called drexel that's right outside of uh yeah, Morgan, right outside of morganton i used to yeah. live there <laughs> God, you lived everywhere now, i lived in morganton which drexel is right down the road i feel like i could name a small town in azerbaijan you'd be like eh, i stayed there for a couple months uh, i was a bouncer in hickory north carolina much like our guest today oh that's yep crazy. yep that's not exactly the the goal of what we were talking about but i do think that's funny that you're both bouncers tattoo artists bikers what mm-hmm. else like you're not exactly the same person but sometimes i'm beginning to wonder <laughs> but yeah you know so anyway so i was always kind of different growing up here because in this town it's a lot of a lot of, a lot of the good old boy types if you will and even though you know i was born and raised here i never really fit into that group i was always kind of i guess if you would have asked kids back then they would have said that i was kind of kind of odd you know, a, a, a little different, but not in a bad way. You know, I was very sociable. I got along with everybody just fine. I was just kind of my own person. And then um, as time kind of progressed on, I started noticing that I was a lot different than most people, you know, behind closed doors. You know, I realized that, you know, I was able to to kind of sense things that, that weren't exactly there and all that. And then, you know, after speaking with my mom about it when I was young, you know, she said that that's, that's not unusual. So my mom then goes on to explain to me that a lot of people on her side of the family had abilities, I, I guess you could call them, but they just kind of knew things that, that just a lot of people really didn't understand. Like my mom's grandfather, it's an old, it's an old farmer thing, but he could read the signs. Like, you know, he could walk around in the woods and tell by how the acorns were falling and all that stuff, what the weather was going to do. And, and he just, he just kind of knew things. And just being able to walk by a tree, look at the leaves and go, it's going to rain. <laughs> yeah. And so he could, he could read the signs and then he could also heal people. Hmm. Interesting. So he was, he was kind of, and back in that time period, he was kind of known as a, just a healer, you know, somebody that, you know, if you had ailments, he knew mountain remedies is what, is what the people would call it. But then after, you know, years and years later of me doing a lot of research, I find out that, you know, essentially he was practicing hedge magic. That's cool. You know, doing the, the root work and all that stuff. And so then later on, you'd had to have known my dad to know what kind of person he was. Cause he was a very, very, very much a free spirit kind of person. So I was talking to him and he was telling me a story about how, when I was small, I was, I had jaundice really bad when I was little. And my grandmother, my dad's mother told my mom to pass me around the table leg three times, and then sit me in the window and I'd be cured. I'm and, sure we can find that in any medically peer reviewed journal, you know, out there today. Yeah. <laughs> And my dad then went on to tell me that, you know, she learned that from her grandmother, who was also a healer type. So as I began to do more research into this kind of thing, I realized that even though 
and I'm going to use air quotes for this, both sides of my family come from Southern Baptist trainings. They never went to church. None of them did. I was going to ask you if you kind of grew up Druid or Pagan, or if it was more like this is just a side to, I guess, the more Christian, whatever everyone else might expect. Right. And so but this is just kind of like plus. <laughs> yeah. So after I got to kind of looking into this and kind of coming to my own conclusions on it, I realized that they would go to church, well, not go to church, but they, they, they followed teachings from the Bible, but not how everybody else was doing it. That's how they you were, your own church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they were essentially <laughs> using it as stories for guidance in their day-to-day lives as far as like, you know, I'm having problems with this. What does the Bible say? And then they would use it to interpret their own meanings out of it without having to go through the church to do it. Interesting. Now, in some cases, I'd be a little worried about how some people might translate that or interpret it. But it sounds like this kind of worked for you. Yeah, and and, and it did work for them. And after having very long conversations with my mom, because my mom is is kind of an enigma in herself. Like, she's... she's, (laughs) She's definitely a a different kind of person. On paper, that just sounds vague. But, you know, for those of us who are just kind of, we grow up weird in the South, we know what that means. A different kind of person that's like capitalized. Yeah. (laughs) And so she was basically explaining to me that from what I was able to research is that essentially the people in my family were still practicing the old ways, but hiding in plain sight at the same time. That is such a fine, very old pagan tradition. Mm -hmm. Once Christianity hit the British Isles and all that, it's like, let's kind of pretend it's the same, but not really. Thanks, St. Patrick. (laughs) Yeah, we we sort of protest St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So that has sort of led me down this this path of, well, if they were doing this stuff, let me see what I can find out about that kind of stuff. And then the more and more that I read and the more and more that I started to to connect the dots, I realized that I had been raised in a pagan system without it necessarily being called anything. It wasn't one discipline or another, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, Wicca or, or Druidism or any of that. It was just different. So was this a gradual realization or did you have some sort of epiphany of, oh, that's what we're doing? It was, it was a little bit of both, actually. It was, it was kind of gradually like, well, they're doing this and they're doing this and they, they, they'll do these kind of later on, I found out were more or less rituals around the holidays that were not normal christian practices okay can I'm, I'm, i have to ask can you elaborate a little bit like what so like around the harvest if you will or or Samhain, if you're familiar with those terms absolutely and, and they, for any pagans out there who aren't that's basically pagan halloween and Very <laughs> so they would always leave things out during that during that time of year. So they would put up like all of these, you know, uh, things that come out of their gardens and, and all the stuff they would basically decorate tables with all this stuff. And then I realized from reading later on that they were basically putting out offerings and, um, altars. Yep. And I realized later on when I started learning about the, the, the Druid practices and things that, that that's what they were doing. They were basically thanking the earth for their, cause you know, I come from, from families of farmers and they were basically thanking the, 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 the earth for, for providing for them. And 
during other, you know, like during other solstice events, they would do similar things. That's really cool. I like that idea. Do you think, now were they aware of what they were doing or were they doing it just because, well, we've always done it this way? I think that mostly it was things that they were taught that just kind of became common practice at the time because on my mother's side, like her her grandparents couldn't read or write. You know, they were, they were mountain folk and, um, it was kind of the same on my dad's side. So a lot of the stuff that they were doing were stuff that had been passed down for generations. And, um, which after doing some, some very intensive genealogy stuff, I found out that on my mom's side and my dad's side, they're both very, very Irish families. So it's in my, my, in my in, background. Yeah. So in, in my opinion, I think what it is, is a lot of stuff from old country that over the generations had kind of gotten blended into, you know, daily practice that comes from an old pagan belief system. And it was just something that was always around. And I found out also that even though, you know, they were air quotes again, uh, Southern Baptists on paper, they, they didn't go to church because they did not believe in one man's theory is law kind of thing. So, so I was, I was raised in a very different environment from most after I get to talking to a lot of the the good old boy types that are like, you know, we do this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, well, we don't, why do you do that? Then it turns into, well, after talking to some of my more educated friends, they, they, you know, they kind of tell me they're like, you know, that's a lot of that stuff is, is pagan. And then after I really got invested in learning about my ancestry and learning about the, the practices and all that stuff, that is when I really started figuring out that, well, I have this ability to feel things. And when I'm out in, out in the woods and stuff around my house, I feel really, really grounded. Like I feel like I'm, I'm connected to everything. And then it just, I found a, a really great mentor and after years of, of tutelage from them, I just basically realized that that I'm just carrying on a tradition that has been in my family probably for hundreds and hundreds of years. That's really fantastic. Trust farmer mountain people to be, you know, of an old earth type religion. Oh, yeah. Because I think, I, I mean, I don't know about you, Tony, but I know a lot of us and a lot of the other pagan eat sorts that I knew sort of came to it out of, I guess, initially dissatisfaction with usually Christianity, but sometimes other religions. And mm-hmm. we have to find it through, like someone mentions it, we study up on it, we do our best to find stuff in bookstores. It, most of us just don't get raised with well, it. Well, so. I, I don't know. I, I guess mine may be a little different. I kind Probably. of, I mean, you know, the whole Southern Baptist background. And it, from an early age, it was like I was like 10 and we were at church and the priest or preacher, pastor, whatever you want to call him, was talking about how everyone should love each other and stuff like that but in a couple of like a couple of days before that i had heard him use various racial slurs and talk about not liking someone and i guess that was my first your epiphany of oh wait (laughs) yeah it's like that that was like oh there is it's it's just hypocrisy abound i guess you could say and we should say it's not everywhere but it's enough that you know a lot of people are maybe it's just the people i know but you know there are a lot of people who seem to be trying to go back to the older ways of so what what did we do before christianity yeah, was a well, thing <laughs> again i and i think that's one of the reasons why i became a Dresdian, which is the whole just we have one main rule don't be a dick <laughs> that's simple yeah yeah and you know and it's one of the one of the things that i really latched onto when i was first learning about how to how to practice you know 
the Druid belief system is that essentially we're all connected. Everything is connected. And that in order for everything to survive and be prosperous, you have to be kind to everything, you know? So it's, it's, it's a cycle of, of just positivity. Well, I guess that would be like the whole Wicca laws of three thing, the threefold law or whatever it's called. I kind yeah. of feel like Wicca is that, but someone spent a lot more time really trying to figure out the rules. Whereas, yeah. you know, I got to a point where you kind of learn, once you learn all those fancy rules, most of them you don't really need. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to ask, do you find, Bubba, that there's like distinguishing tenets of Druidism? Like, you know, what are the main principles therein are or are there any Uh, this great connection there is you know and it really depends on what you're trying to get out of druidism as far as what you kind of invest your time into so one of my things is i've always been the type that wants to help people and so i focus a lot of my things on, on a lot of the healing magic if you will and so in order to do that i spend a lot of my time out in nature just trying to connect and commune and just really become one with everything. And then later on, when I was learning under my my teacher, I learned later that you can start reaching out to deities for assistance. So if you need, you know, like if you were trying to commune and you feel like you're just struggling a little bit, you can reach out to them to help you bridge the gap a little bit. And that's where I kind of picked who I commune with the most because they're the ones that seem to be the most uh, available to me when I need them. And that makes a certain amount of sense. Now I'm pagan slash Unitarian. So I tend to feel that whatever deity there is, it's just one big spirit that kind of presents in whatever form is most comfortable for us. So I think no matter what you call the spirit or the deity, it, I don't think it cares so much, but just as long as you get that connection. Yeah. Um, Cause my, my main go-to is a uh, Cernanos. Who's the <laughs> little scary. Yeah. He, he, uh, you know, he's basically the, the, the keeper of the forest and everything. And, th- and that's where I really feel my, where my connection is. I have called upon the Morgan before. Ooh. Cause even though, you know, a lot of people associate the Morgan with death and all that stuff. She also has a lot of ability to help with sending and receiving messages because I notice a lot of the times when I'm trying to commune, there's crows aplenty uh, that tend to come around. So I know that she's listening. Isn't the Raven one of her familiars or symbols? Yeah. Crows, crows and Ravens are are (laughs) her thing. I don't know. There's when it comes to me, I don't, I don't put myself in the limelight like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes our dear florida man has selected a deity from uh what is it a greek. Hellen- greek pantheon yeah and she's not very forgiving so he's like you don't want me to pray well, to my goddess <laughs> her, her, name, her name is adrastia yes otherwise known as nemesis she okay. is the, she is the inescapable the the judge well she's the one that people show as the symbol of like the judicial court yeah, the blindfolded like, woman yeah, with the scales the, the americans <laughs> bastardize her and turn her to justice yeah, so right. that's, that's that's what it is. But that's one of those ones of people on Facebook are like, oh, you need to give me more prayers. It's like, oh, you don't want the prayers that I'd be. If, if your name comes up on my prayer list, you messed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you would just willingly choose the slightly unforgiving, punishing kind of a very Old Testament of you. That's strange. <laughs> I'm more into. Less... Well, she's also the, the patron deity of battered women. Well, and you have your own reasons for that. And I think that's not a bad thing at all. You know, sort of punishing the hubris. Yes. 
I had run into a woman some time ago who was a Druid who maintained that in Druidism, and it could have just have been her, but she did say that when it comes to gender, that women tend to be more elevated than the men. And men were not subservient, but generally subordinate. And I don't know if that is all Druids or... Well, it... Well, what, it's what not that, what I came across a lot, just her. Well, what that what that is is, is I, I can actually comment on that. Okay. Is so when I was being being taught practices and everything, you know, I, I was trained by a woman, and the way it was explained to me is that we're all on kind of a similar plane, but because women have the moon on their side, it allows them to have a little bit stronger of a connection and that, and that also they, because they are life bringers that gives them also a very special connection to the, to the cycle of things. So I wouldn't necessarily say that they were held in any higher regard, but they were definitely very carefully listened to not considered the weak and misogynist kind of things that we have today of, oh, oh absolutely. To the man. absolutely not yeah no women women are are, are are very sacred and are to be treated as such and that you know their connections to things are to not be ignored ever i have been know. fortunate Agreed. yes Agreed. i've been rather fortunate in my last two relationships where i was seen at least as an equal and um, occasionally even better. Now, not that I'm trying to say I'm superior. I don't think I am, but I like the idea of not, I will say in my first marriage, that was not the case. And I didn't enjoy that at all. <laughs> of course, you know how I hold women. I hold him women in the highest regard. Indeed you do. I also, through scientific and clinical terms, happen to know that women are far better than men when it comes to physical things. Depending on what you mean, yeah. But I mean, you know, like everybody's like, oh, you know, this men are stronger. There's a reason. Men are for grunt work. <laughs> You're expendable. <laughs> like, it's seriously, I men mean, are. I, I like mean, that. and I hate saying it like that, but scientifically, throughout the years, back to Cro-Magnon and all that, men were always expendable. You could always get another husband. You could always make another baby. <laughs> Just saying. Interesting. Why do you think men are so bigger? They were used for heavy lifting. They were dumb muscle. <laughs> well. I'm glad you have a good intellect, both of you. Sorry, Bella. <laughs> oh, no, no, oh, no, no, you're, no, you're good. So, so yeah. So, like I said, women are very, are very, very sacred and 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 druid practices, and they are absolutely 100% treated as such. Yep. Anything, anything less than that would would get you, you know, absolutely removed from any any druid order almost instantly. You know, keep in mind, for a while, I was married to a Wicca. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I I have this whole thing of if I don't understand it, I won't mess with it. Probably not a bad idea. Like, And that's that's a big rule in my life. Hey, look, I have this bomb. I don't understand what it is. I'm not messing with it. And that's the way I see most things. If I don't mm-hmm. understand it, I don't screw with it. Right. I didn't know what skyclad meant. <laughs> and my wife at the time was like, hey, we're going to a skyclad meeting. Would you like to join? And I was like, you know what? Sure, I've never been to one of these coven meetings, <laughs> what have you. Yes. Um, but I went there, and there were like 12 women. Oh, wow. And I was the only guy there. Were you holding a lot of purses? Uh, it wasn't purses. <laughs> so they pulled the cars up in like the semicircle, and they're all wearing robes. And I'm like, this is kind of cool. I love, you know, I love the... The, just like the, the ceremony of it. of it. Yeah, that you like the how it looked. And it's all sort of like sudden, how I always love how Catholic church yeah. services look. They just look amazingly grand. And 
all of a sudden my wife says something, the robes come off and then there is nothing. Oh. And I was like, Oh, sky clad. I get it now. So the entire time I am leaning on the car, holding robes, smoking cigarettes, watching. <laughs> you became a coat rack. I was a coat rack. I was a glorified coat rack. And, and, you know, a, a... The thing is, is a lot of those ceremonies are are really geared toward lifting lifting the feminine up to a higher level. Yeah, is, I would say that is, would do it. Is, is what a lot of that's for, and because you know, right now we're on the on a real big you know body positivity movement. Yeah. And my my whole thing is become a Wicca, you yeah, know, because because they are very very much about lifting each other up and. And then celebrating the feminine. My only problem with Wiccans is they have far too many rules. It's like when you learn it, you're, well, after a while, you're like, oh, I don't really need to do this anymore. <laughs> well, it, uh, again, at least it's not the whole Catholic stand up, sit down, pray, 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 stand uh, up, stand so up, sit down, stand up, sit down. It's like, mm. but I remember going to some meetings. One of the lovely things about the Unitarians is we had a pagan group. And there was like this one couple who insisted we absolutely can't do this particular ceremony without a particular kind of incense. And I'm like, I don't think the gods care. That's for us. <laughs> I don't know. You know, even amongst pagans, there could be a little bit of bickering. So out of curiosity, you know, trying mm-hmm. to bring it back to you a little bit. Um, you mentioned that you had your sensitivity and such, and we will be talking, or I'm not sure the order of how things are going to be released, but we'll hear some campfire stories from you or have at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that your sensitivity to spirits influenced your druidism or did they kind of... <sighs> Did one come first and the other followed, or was it all just one big thing to you? Well, ever since I was very, very small, I was able to kind of just, I would just feel things that a lot of people couldn't. And because I was so young, I didn't think that there was anything really like of it was any, special. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just I felt like a few it was people who have certain specialties or, or just things they could do. And they didn't realize that not everybody could do them yeah. for a while. It's like, Oh, you can't do that. Well, like me being able to see in the dark. Well, that's, because, that's <laughs> a medical thing, but yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, I would talk about it with my mom and my mom never once discouraged it. You know, she was always very, very supportive of it. She said, you know, if if, if that's something you feel like you can do, then embrace it, you know, yeah. really, really, really try to focus in on it. So that's, that's what I tried for years. And I never really could totally get a, get a, a grasp on how to really understand those feelings that I was having. And it really started making more sense when I started doing the, the, the Druid practices, because that's when my, my mentor was explaining to me that, that I have a gift and then was explaining to me that, you know, those feelings that I'm having are part of this gift. And that's the person that really helped me zero in on, well, if I'm getting this kind of feeling, then it, then it translates over to this is what's going on or vice versa. So after a lot of years practicing with that is where I was able to really lock in and be like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on. This is, this is what this feeling that I'm having translates to on paper. And that's, that's really how that, that kind of took its form into what it is now where I'm able to, you know, if somebody's having, having any kind of issues, I can go in and kind of zero in on what the problem is. And then because of the, Druid practices, I'm able to come up with a solution. You know, can you give to... us an example? I mean, because I I could sort of follow it, but it also sounds a little vague. Can you give us a concrete example? Yeah. Okay. So if I go in 
And the the most, okay, I'll give you like the, the most common thing that I run into. So, which is somebody that has passed that is just checking in on their family, but their family is kind of freaked out because they think they're haunted. Oh. And, and I have to explain to them, no, you're not haunted. This is just a family member. So when I go into a house that has this happening, the feeling that I immediately get inside of me is it immediately starts with like this, this entire body tingle. Imagine what it would feel like to have thousands and thousands of spiders crawling all over you. That's not pleasant. Okay. That, that, that's how it's, that, that's how it immediately starts. I'll get this whole body like vibration tingly thing. Then if it's somebody that has got no ill intent, I'll immediately get this warmth in the center of my chest. And then if it's a family member, what will happen then is that warmth will immediately replace the spidery tingly sensation and my whole body will start, start warming up. That's usually how I can tell immediately that it's, that it's just family checking in that it's nothing to be afraid of. And if, if the family is, is still vehement on, on, making this not happen anymore, then I'll just politely ask that family member to everything's going to be fine. They're going to be fine. You know, you're just kind of, (laughs) yeah, you're just, you're you're just, they're not mentally prepared for what you're doing. So, you know, try to keep it to a, to a minimum if you can. Usually what I try to do with that situation. Yeah. I could sort of see that. I just, in the last three years lost, you know, for my whole life, I hadn't really lost anyone in my family except for the very elderly people that I expected, but and the last three years, I lost my father, my stepfather, and my husband. And I keep expecting to see or hear from one of them. But I also kind of know myself. And I'm like, I'm afraid if they did do anything, I would probably be a little jittery about it. <laughs> I'd be brave about well, it. But I don't know. I think all, I would be also like, ah. <laughs> also, I, like, I, I would like to think that anyone who has moved on as it were or who has passed away would also know that you might take it amiss or badly Maybe. and kind of keeps off or you know keeps a distance like I won't interrupt or anything like yeah. that yeah it's 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 really a, a strange mental space not only for the family but also for the person that has passed to be visiting because there's things that the person that has passed knows and there's things that they're kind of oblivious to because of their where they're at, you know, spiritually. They they think that they're when they visit that it's not going to have any kind of repercussions because they they think that everybody's just going to be over the moon to know that they're there. Oh uh, well, and I think in a way I would, but I would also be unnerved. <laughs> yeah, because if I, I was mean, aware. because the thing is, is pe- people still have this mental block about the afterlife. And even if you wholeheartedly believe that there is an afterlife and that your family can come visit you and, and all that subconsciously the your, your brain, your logical brain says that it's impossible because we haven't physically experienced that. That's where a lot of people start getting unnerved is because it's, essentially affirmation that the afterlife exists and that's what really scares people sometimes yeah i suppose it does it's just considered so unusual and abnormal right even it probably right. really isn't i mean we watch enough like ghosty stuff that it's like yep yeah, think something's around a lot what would you say is the most difficult thing about being a druid and what are what might well in your case at least and what is the most rewarding for you so the most difficult thing uh for me uh, personally is just ex- 
trying to explain to people exactly what it's what it takes to be a druid. Yeah. And what it entails and the fact that you know anybody that comes from a a a Christian background of any sort usually has a really really hard time fathoming that I put all of my cards into a pile that is so, so very different than what they believe in. Yeah. That's just such a typical thing. It could be countrywide, but I know in our region, a good many of the fellow pagans I know, A, were like, how did we get this way when we're in the South? Yeah. And one of the biggest things is just trying to explain to everyone that, no, we're not satanic. Yeah, and and that's that's something that I've run into a lot is is the people that that don't understand immediately want to assume that because I'm of a faith that is not one of the big faiths in the world, you know, and and that goes as as far as like Christians, uh, Hindus, Muslims, the, the 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 whole gamut of it. That if I'm not one of those big major players, that I obviously worship Satan. Yeah, and that's another thing that that I wish people would understand. Like you have the Christians who understand this, but the and no offense, but the really stupid ones are like are like oh well, no offense at all. Yeah, no offense, but uh, they're like oh well you're something else. You must be satanic. For me to be satanic, that would mean I would have to be some form of Christian. Yeah, most religions don't have. Satan, exactly. Some have a parallel, but not many. Mostly because yeah. I think the rest of the pantheons, it's like there's not really a binary extreme good and extreme evil. Those are more like human concepts. I no, guess. no. I think the the only the only one that I can really think of that has a permanent hell is Christianity. Yeah, pretty much. Because most of the other religions have a form where you kind of work off your sins. It's sort of like <laughs> a, a jail as a part, and then you get to move on. Yeah. But with I of course with Christianity there's the the extremes in which you know what if, if you eat meat on Friday you're going to hell and you're going to be there forever. It's like okay y'all are taking this a little too far. Well, and that's also yeah. why they have so many branches because some of them are like, well, I don't think the meat's a problem. However, there's this other thing, you know, so they, they get very nitpicky. Yeah, yeah, and so that's that, that to me that's usually the most difficult thing because I mean being a druid within itself for me is such a peaceful existence. Exactly. And it's just hard to explain to people who have no concept that, no, it's not bad. I don't think I'm in danger. Satan's not coming for me. It's fine. I'm not joining yeah. a cult. I haven't given my belongings to anyone. Yeah. Try, you know, try explaining a trust to, no, thank to you. people. <laughs> I mean, literally the worst thing you're going to catch me doing is sitting out in the middle of the woods, just quiet. I will say that, you know, I was yeah. raised Christian, like a lot of us, and my mother or my parents would send me off to this week-long camp for youth and all that. And it was actually kind of fun, but it was, you know, one of these things out in the middle of the woods, lots of cabins, and it was yeah. on a lake. And I did enjoy it, but one of the cabins was way up in the woods. I don't know why, but I got assigned to that cabin once. And mm -hmm. I was never comfortable with all the, let's get together and sing hymns and have little services. What I did enjoy, though is the nature walks, and they actually had this outdoor chapel that was on this little bitty branch, archipelago, I guess, into the lake. Yeah. And it was probably the most peaceful time I'd ever had. Like, it did, nothing felt forced. I was just out there by myself one time, 
And it was like the best chapel ever. And it was glorious because it was in the middle of the woods facing the lake. It was just, you know, I've heard of people talk about the natural cathedral. And I'm like, I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and that's the thing. I mean, nature, when it's at rest, is is so, so calm and, and, and relaxing. And it's that way for a reason. Because, I mean, nature is where people belong in my opinion and i'm not saying like you know live in a tree go barefoot all the time that's not what i'm getting at though was, if you want to do that please do so <laughs> oh oh absolutely like if, if if that's if that's your jam then, then then jam out i mean yeah for real but i really like and it's it's kind of fun that i encountered this through one of my best friends who is uh he's full-blooded choctaw and me and him have had a lot of really, really, really deep discussions over the years. And one thing that I have found that is very refreshing is the fact that two cultures that have never met each other, you know, the the, the Celtic pagans and the Native Americans, you know, cultures that have never and throughout history really intermingled, have almost the same ideals on respecting nature. Yeah. And I thought about that earlier, how similar it is. And how you know, you, you, you basically, you know, this is your home, treat it kindly and it will return the favor. And that, that to me, that is, that is what's fascinating that the two cultures that, that have never met have the same ideals on you get the best out of things, the better you live within those things. I personally think there's nothing wrong with kind of borrowing, I guess, or finding philosophies that work for you, even if they're on completely disparate paths. Cause Ultimately, I think the spirit wants us all to be happy and, you know, do well with life and all that. And well, don't, yeah. say, it, don't say it too loud or carve it on the stone or else somebody will blow it up in the middle of a pastor in Georgia. somewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, I, don't, I think just because you call it one thing or another, it doesn't matter. It's just right. You know, the nature of what you're doing is the important part. And then, like I say, just the, the, the rewarding aspect of, of, of the question that you asked, I think for me is just the ability that I have been able to gather over the last several years to just help people that really, really need it. And that it, the things that I have been able to do have, have, have worked very well. And that, to me, that's the, that's my favorite part of it is being able to help people that really, really need it. That is a good thing when you can do it. So I found as I get older, occasionally I'll have, you know, people approach me and ask me about things or, you know, come to me for guidance, Lord help them. But um, whenever it works out, I'm just very excited. It's like, Ooh, I finally getting to pay back what someone used to, you know, taught me a long time ago. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. And I have come full circle. Now I'm the, the fairy goth mother. Now, you know, I have had, you know, some acquaintances that they're like, oh, well, you're, you're a very, very devout practitioner of this, of this ancient art. And there's these people I'm having problems with. Can you do anything about it? And I tell them, absolutely not. It's like, oh, do you want me to mediate a discussion or what exactly? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's like, if you guys want to talk it out, you know, I can, I can, I can help you talk it out. But I said, as far as as far as any any magic practices or anything of that nature, I said I'm I will not do any a do anything that's going to harm anybody else, and b I don't need to be there doing that, knowing full well that anything I do negatively towards somebody is going to come back on me. Well, thank you so much for joining us and having this conversation. And as for you, our dear audience, we hope that you enjoyed our foray into the alternative and unconventional 
of the Druid Mountain Man. <laughs> Let us know if you enjoy these sorts of discussions and if you'd like more of them. In the meantime, visit us on Facebook. Send yep. us an email. Leave us some likes on your podcast platform. Yep. Don't forget Patreon, the email, oh, yes, stuff yes. like that. Well, I am your hostess, Carolina Girl Heather. And I am your host. Yes. Florida Man Tony. And this Bub- has been our guest. This has been our, our guest. Bubba, say bye. Y'all have a wonderful evening. <laughs> Thank All so right. Much. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Bye, bye y'all. Okay, so seriously, two bouncers working at the fair, we are going to beat some heads in. Oh, am I? Well, the queen should be well protected this year. (laughs) So what do you say, Bubba? Are we protecting the queen? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Let's let's do this. Um,